wanna, I'm continuing this series called Deep Change. And uh, if you've missed any in this series, really want to encourage you, go on the website, get both the app, but go back and listen to the first two messages because each one of these pieces that I'm talking about are really critical to allow God to do the work in us that he really wants to do. Um, you know, I, I started out at the very beginning with a message called, how did I get here? And, and, I, and if you don't know how you got to where you are, it's going to be impossible for you to move forward to where you really want to be. Um, last week, while we were doing everything online, um, I talked about where is God? You know, sometimes when life kind of bottoms out and we get stuck, sometimes we want to get mad at God for that. And uh, we asked the question, so where is God in all of this? And we answered that by saying, he's all around you. God is working, even in ways that you have no understanding of, he's working on your behalf. Today, I want to talk about what I believe to be the hardest part of change. And I'm going to just give you the point right here and now. It's asking for help. Come on, it's just us. How many of you would be honest enough to admit it's hard for you to ask for help? Yeah, and, and I found that this to be a really universal trait um, that we, we get stuck and we get into places and we're not sure what to do, but it's so interesting how often we refuse to really reach out to try to find the help that we need. Now, I want, to, want you to look at the passage of Scripture. We're going to throw this up on the screen. If you want to take your sermon, line, uh, sermon outline out of your worship folder, you can track along or take notes. Um, by the way, there are Bibles in the pews in front of you. Those Bibles are our gift to you. Uh, if you'd like a Bible, feel free to take one of those home. If you have a friend that needs a Bible, feel free to take one to them. We want you to have the Word of God. We're looking at the story of God take, bringing the Israelites out of Egypt as a backdrop for understanding the principles that God uses to set us free. And I want to look at, at this piece of the story from Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 to 25. Here's what it says. Years passed, and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help. Now, I want you to circle that on your outline. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down upon the people of Israel, and he knew it was time to act. They cried out for help. This morning, I, I don't know where you're at uh, what you might be stuck in. I don't know what change you may need in your life, but here's the question I want, I want you to hear today. Are you willing to ask for help? Are you willing to cry out to God? And are you willing to cry out to maybe a couple of other people who can help you get to where you need to go? Now, Again, we already said it's hard to ask for help. Well, why is it? Why, why is it hard? What, what are the barriers for us asking for help? You ready? I got them on your outline. Let me give them to you quick. Here's the first one. Pride. Pride. Andrew Murray says that humility is the root of all virtue and pride is the root of all sin. The beginning of sin in the world was Adam and Eve wanting to be God of their own world. That was the temptation. The enemy said, eat the fruit and you will be like 
God. And whenever we want to run our own lives, be in charge of our own lives, and believe we can do that, that's when pride takes over. And, and look at me. There are some of you, you're a mess, and you know you're a mess. And you're going to stay a mess until you kill the pride that's killing you. Until you kill the pride that's killing you. Because that's what's keeping you from change. A second barrier, and some of us struggle with this, is low self-worth. Frankly, some of us don't think we're worthy of changing. Some of us don't think we're worthy of receiving help. Some of us have such a low opinion of ourselves that we don't think we're worth either the effort of God or the effort of other people. And that low self-esteem that you're buying into, again, is what's keeping you from changing the way God wants you to change. Another one is false thinking. In recovery, we call it stinking thinking. <laughs> it's stinking thinking. False thinking is when we allow ourselves to believe lives Lies that really aren't true. Lies like, nobody really wants to help me. There's nothing that can really be done. I'm too far gone. We, we have all these lies that we tell ourselves, and those lies are keeping us from really embracing what God wants to do in our life. For some of us, some of you will be able to relate to this, some of us, what's, what's keeping us from asking for help now are some of the past wounds that we have. And when I say past wounds, what's happened for some of us is we've asked for help before, but we've kind of asked the wrong people, and those people hold that over our heads, and we get tired of having people hold stuff over our heads. Any of you ever uh, have to ask for help someone and, and, and have someone say to you, you know, later they're trying to manipulate you to get you to do something you don't want to do, and they say, after all I've done for you, you know? Yeah, and some of us are like, man, you know, I don't, I, I don't want to deal with that again. And sometimes those past wounds, yeah, because we ask the wrong people, get in the way of us asking for help now. And another one is past failures. Past failures. And what I mean by that is, some of us have tried to change. And we've tried to change. And we've tried to change. And every time we've tried to change, we fail. And sometimes we get to a place where you go, you know what? If, if at first you don't succeed, maybe failure is your thing, you know? And, you know maybe I'm never going to get beyond this. But, but, the, but Proverbs says that though a righteous man falls seven times, yet shall he rise. You know, don't, that, look at me, don't let your past failures rob you of your future success. Because your God is not just a God of where you've been, he's the God of where you're going. Now, I wanna give you just a, a few thoughts today, and I'm, I'm not gonna give you many, and I'm not gonna take a long time. But I, when I was wrestling with this message, I sat down and I asked myself the question, what are some things we just need to know in this whole idea of asking for help? What are some things we just need to know and need to embrace if we're really gonna let God and others help us get to where we need to be? Are you ready? I'm just gonna give you three thoughts, give them to you quick. Here's the first one. You have to decide. Now, look at me for a second before I do. This is a huge, this is a huge thought. You have to decide whether you want real change or a quick fix. You have to decide whether you want real change or a quick fix. When I was, um, when I was sitting with this message earlier in the week, and I was just reflecting on I wonder why, for some of us, why, why God doesn't step in earlier than he does. 
I started thinking back about my own life and times where I've said, God, I want to change, God, I want to change, God, I want to change, and yet I really never felt you know, the power from God to do that. I never really got there. And, and you know what hit me? I didn't really want to change. I was saying I wanted to change, but I didn't want to change. I just wanted the guilt to go away. I just wanted the, the shame to go away. I just wanted the pain to go away. Look at me. Some of us, when we're talking about really needing change in our life, we know we need change, but sometimes we're not really wanting change. We're, we're just wanting relief from the circumstances we found ourselves in. I guarantee you, some of you have been in relationships with people like this. Someone who's come to you and saying, you know, I just need a little help. You just give me a little help. I'll be there. And so you gave them a little help. And guess what? They went right back into the same mess they were in before. Then they came back and said, you know what? This time I'm on track. If you just give me a little help, I'll get there. And you helped them again. And guess what? They went right back. And you've done that again and again and again. So now when they come and they say, I, I just need a little help to change, you're looking and going, nah, I don't think so. Why? Because you realize they don't really want to change. They just want someone to bail them out. Look at me. I love you, but all you want is a bailout. You're dead in the water. God's not interested in just bailing you out. God's interested in giving you a changed life. I saw the story in the news. I thought it was, I just thought it was really interesting. There is a, um, a bank in Michigan uh, back in October that got robbed. And when they looked at the surveillance footage, trying to identify the robber, a guy had on a ski mask and he was covered up so they couldn't really see him very well. So they didn't get a good look at him. But the cameras outside did get a good look at the car. And as they re looked at the car, they discovered that this car was actually rented. And when they went to, um, when they checked out the rental agency, found out who it was rented to, they, they just shook their heads. Throw that picture up on the screen. <clears throat> because this is who it was rented to. It was a guy named uh, Shannon Donald Sexton. And why they shook their heads was that Shannon Donald Sexton, who robbed this bank, he had a rap sheet about four miles long, and he had just gotten out of prison for robbing a bank. He'd been in prison for 12 or 13 years for robbing a bank before, went before a parole board and promised that he was a changed man got out of prison, robbed a bank while he was on parole. It's, it's just a question. Did Shannon really want to change? It's not a rhetorical question. You can answer that. Did he really want to change? No. What did he want? He just wanted out of prison. I, I just want you to hear my heart with this. Change is possible. With God, all things are possible but God is not going to change you against your will. Can, can I tell you the real stuff, the real ingredients that God uses for change? It's right here in, in the scripture, Psalm 51, 17. Read it with me. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart. I want you to get that, uh, brokenness, Brokenness is the key to change. When we truly become broken, not just sorry that we got caught, 
But when we're sorrowful for the person we have become and we know we need to be someone different, that's the contrite heart. That's the repentance of turning around and going in a different direction. You see, sometimes we think that God just wants to forgive our past. He does not. He doesn't just want to forgive your past. He wants to make you into a new creation. And that's the part we've got to grasp. You know, when Paul was writing his letter to the churches, this is one of the things he came back to again and again. Paul was big on grace, but not just grace for the past. He was also talking about the power and grace of God for the future and who God wanted us to become. Ephesians chapter four, this is on your outline. Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus and he said, you were taught to leave your old self. This means you must stop living the evil way that you lived before. That old self gets worse and worse because people are fooled by the evil they wanna do. You must be made new in your hearts and in your thinking. Read it with me. Be that new person who was made to be like God, truly good and pleasing to him. Pastor Steve, what's the real beginning of change in my life? One word, brokenness. In recovery, we call it hitting bottom. It's at that place where we can't stand ourselves anymore and we know we need the help of God to be different. Does that make sense to you? Secondly, we, we have to surrender to the truth that you need help to change. You've got to surrender to the truth that you need help to change. I'm kind of circling back to where I started today. But, but some of us can look in the mirror and we, we know we need to be different, but we decide we're just gonna do this all by ourselves. You were not created to do this all by yourself. Here's what you need to understand. God created you with a need for him and a need for other people. God created us to live in community. He said from the beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. You know the Bible. It's truth. God created us to lean on him. He created us to lean on each other. And you have to surrender that. You've got to get past the pride of the low self-worth whatever, because you need God. And believe it or not, you need other people. I, I love what James says in James 5.16. Read it with me. He says, so always tell each other the wrong things you have done. Then pray for each other. Do this so God can heal you. Now, come on, it's just us. There are a lot of us who are really, really good about confessing to God, but it's really, really hard for us to confess to a couple of other safe people. Now, why, why do we need people, Pastor Steve? Why, why do I need other people? Well, let me give you a few reasons. First, you need the accountability of others. You need the accountability of others. You, you can lie to yourself, and you, you can even try to hide from God and kind of try to block out the whisperings of his spirit. But we need people, look at me, every single one of us need people in our lives who love us enough to tell us the truth. 
But we need people in our life who ask us hard questions. Why are you acting like that? Why are you talking like that? Why are you spending your money like that? Why are you doing these things? We need people who love us enough, want that best version of us, who aren't afraid to look us in the, in the eye and ask us the questions that make us feel really uncomfortable. That's called accountability. Secondly, you need the encouragement of other people. You need the encouragement of other people. I promise you, in this whole path of change, you're going to have days you're going to get tired, you're going to get overwhelmed. You know, it's so funny. I get this all the time, and people say, Pastor Steve, it just says, it just feels like, man, one shoe drops after another. It's like one thing happens, and then another thing happens, and another thing. Absolutely, it does. And you know what? In the midst of all that, the enemy's trying to get you to, to, to just give up, to just quit. I might as well not even try. This is why you need people around you who, who can speak words of encouragement into you. Does that make sense? You need people who can help you on those days when it's hard. Someone you can call and say, I'm just having a hard day. I just, I just need to hear another voice. And we all do. Look at me, even pastors, even pastors, maybe especially pastors. I'll, I'll, never, I'll never forget. It was just, just a, such a God thing. I'll never forget. Well, Sunday morning, 7 a.m. in Pennsylvania, and I, my alarm went off, and I got up, and it was uh, another Sunday to go preach the Word of God. And I was, I was tired, man. I'd had a, a long week. Uh, I had to deal with some really hard stuff. I had had the life just sucked out of me. Now, I know there's some of you that think pastors are just kind of floating around with God, you know. But you need to know there are days we wake up and we don't like you so much. <laughs> I'm just telling the truth. And we, <laughs> there was a pastor over there. I know. You know, it's, and it's, it's just, it's true. We're, we're human, just like you. We're human. And I woke up on that Sunday and I'm sitting on the edge of, side of my bed and I'm going, I really don't want to go to church today. I don't want to do this. I'm tired. I'm tired of messing with these people. They're hard headed. And I'm sitting there and my phone rings. And this is back before cell phones. My, my phone rings in the house right beside my bed. And when my phone rings on a Sunday morning, it is not a good thing. Because when I phone rings on a Sunday morning, that means somebody's sick, somebody died, or, or you know, something's broke loose at the church. And it's like, oh, that's all I need, one more thing. And I pick up the phone, fully expecting this bad news. And I pick it up and I go, hello. And a guy by the name of John Spears, who was a college friend pastoring in Casper, Wyoming, says, good morning, Steve Childs. I want you to know this morning that God loves you and he is gonna speak through you as you get up and do, do your thing today. I want you to know God has his hand on you and he is gonna make himself shown through you today. God bless you, my brother. Now, I want you to get this. this is, I'm in Pennsylvania. This guy's in Wyoming. It's seven o'clock my time. It's 5 a.m. in Wyoming. Now, hear my heart. Nobody has a right to be that excited at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> And all of God's morning people said, amen. And I'm like, but I'm going to tell you what happened. It was, it was so cool. When John got done, it was like God breathed into me this breath of life. And I was able to get up. And I, had, and I just want to say this to you. If pastors need people sometime to give them that word of encouragement, you need people in your life who are doing that for you too. Amen. Thirdly, you need the prayers of other people. You need the prayers of other people. 
And again, I know this is hard for some of you. Some of you say, well, I, I pray, I talk to God. Yeah, that's good. But here's what Jesus said. Where two or three of you gather in my name, I'm there in their midst. James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other. Now, I can't explain the dynamics of it, but here's what I'm gonna tell you. There is power when God's people gather together to pray. And this is why when we're talking about needing other people, we've got to have some people in our life who, who again, when we're struggling, when we're having that hard time, when we're walking, people that are lifting us up, people that we can stop with and pray with and just allow them to pray over us. You need that. I need that. We need that. Surrender to that realization, that truth that you need help. Let me give you one more. And this is going to be a big one for some of you. Remind yourself that you are not a bother. Remind yourself, you are not a bother. It's a blessing for God and for others to help you. If I had a dollar for every time through the years in ministry when I asked someone why they didn't reach out and they told me I didn't want to be a bother, I'd be a rich man. You see, Sometimes we feel like it's a bother for me. God doesn't want to hear from me one more time. People don't want to hear my trouble. Look at me. Oh, yes, we both do. God sent his one and only son to die for you. And do you really think that a God who loves you that much doesn't want to hear from you now? God loves you. He waited for the people of Israel to cry out to him. And when they cried out to him, God responded and he'll respond to you. How many of you have ever had the, the privilege and opportunity of having someone come to you or talk to you about a need in their life and you were able to come alongside of them and either through some prayer, some personal help or counsel, you were able to help them through a very difficult time. How many of you have ever had that privilege to do that? Now, is that a blessing or a burden? It's a blessing. And so when you think that you're being a bother to other people, all you gotta do is remember one time when you helped someone else and what that felt like for you and all you gotta do is remember when I asked someone for help, I'm giving them the opportunity to experience the blessing. Psalm 91, 15, God said, when they call on me, what will happen, church? I will answer. Read it with me. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. Galatians 6, 2, one of the commands of Paul in, in, to, to the church in Galatia. Read it with me. Help each other with your troubles. When you do this, you are obeying the law of Christ. Some of you heard me share the story some years ago, but it's just, it's such a powerful story. I had a man stop in our church a number of years back here. And, um, he was looking for a place for his Narcotics Anonymous group to meet. Uh, the place that they were meeting had been sold and they needed to move. And, and so he came to our office and he said, would it be possible for us to rent a room from you to have our group meetings? And I said, you know what? 
We are big believers in people getting help through their addictions. We'll be happy to let you use a room for free. And he said, well, we'd like to pay, do, make a donation as we go. And I said, well, that, that's up to you, but we'd be happy to have you. And so they came, and they started, they started meeting. And, and uh, one, one, one day during the week, some months later, um, he came in the office, and he was dropping off some money to, to Debbie, who was our office manager at the time, and just kind of giving a contribution to the church. And as I saw him walk by, I called him by name, and I said, hey, can, can, can you come in here a second? Come in my office and... I said, you got a moment? He said, yeah. I said, sit down. I said, tell me your story. He said, I started drinking when I was about 11 or 12. He said, by the time I was 14, I was not only an alcoholic. He said, I was taking drugs. He said, for the next several years, he said, I was in and out of juvie. And uh, he said, finally, I was 17 years old and I stood before a judge one more time. And this judge said, I am done with you. You have two choices. You can either go to jail for a long time or you can serve your country in Vietnam. And he said, I thought serving my country doesn't sound like too bad of an idea. So I went to Vietnam. He said, man, if I thought getting drugs was easy in the U.S., he said, you could get them anywhere in Vietnam. He said, I tried things I'd never tried before. He said, I learned how to get a little, sell a little. He said, I just, I just became pretty proficient at this thing. He said, I, I came back to the U.S. He said, I got married. And uh, he said, my wife and I, and he said, we had a couple of little kids. And he said, we ended up spending everything we had on our drugs and food. And he said, we were living in our truck. He said, we were driving from state park to state park in California. You could stay for two weeks at a time. And he said, during the day, we would try to scavenge around and, and find some, either a, an odd job that we could do to make a little money, or we would have, a, have the kids do dumpster diving and try to find things that we could sell or eat. And uh, he said, and we just lived that way for a while, a good while. He said, then one day, we're in an alley, and my wife and I are standing there as our two little kids are in this dumpster scavenging around. And he said, and my three-year-old daughter came up out of that dumpster with a syringe in her hand. And I looked at my little girl and I thought to myself, oh my, what have I become? He said, and then I looked to heaven and I said, dear God, Help me. He said that I got a big smile on, my, on his face when he was talking to me. And he looked at me and he said, and God did. He said, we left that alley and I told my wife, we're done. He took my wife. He said, I went, found a social worker. They were helping us to get into a, a little apartment. Got my kids in school and got a little job I could do and he said they were helping us get clean and sober. He said, my wife stayed for two weeks and then she left us and went back into the drug life. And he said, but I was done. He said, and I, I got clean and sober. I got work. I got a trade. And he goes, and I have spent my life now helping other people find the path to freedom. Look at me. And it all started on the day he said, God and I'm here to tell you, if God can help him, God can help you.
Amen. I'm going to ask my prayer partners, go ahead and come take your place here at the front. Church, I'm going to invite you to an opportunity to have someone pray with you today if you'd like. Um, You don't have to go through whatever it is you're dealing with all by yourself. This morning, we would, we would count it a privilege to pray with you, whether it be for change in your life, whether you're going through a struggle and the burden is just getting really heavy to bear. Maybe you're facing something on the horizon that's got you scared and afraid and, and you just need to pray. This, this is the hardest part of change. The hardest part of life is having the courage to ask for help. Look at me. I'm going to say this over and over and over again. You are only alone if you choose to be. Father, I'm so thankful today that you never stop loving us. You've never stopped chasing us and you never give up on us. But Father, we know that to move from where we've been to where we need to be, we're going to need some help. And so, Father, today, as you look down upon us, you know our hearts. Lord, I pray for every single person in this room, every person watching online, my prayer is that you would bring us to a place of brokenness, a place where, like the prodigal son who said, and the Bible says, and he came to his senses. Lord, today, I pray that like the Israelites in Egypt, that you would help us to discover our need for you today, that we would cry out to you like so many have before, Lord Help me. And today, Father, we find that you are quick to answer. You'll come right to us, right where we are. And Father, I I pray that you'd also give us this humility, not not to try to walk this path all by ourselves, but to find some people to walk with us, people who can hold us accountable, people who can encourage us, people who can pray with us. Lord, there is a reason why you created us to live in community. And my prayer today is, God, that you would tear down the pride or any of those barriers that are keeping us from embracing that. Lord, I believe, like Paul said, that change is a way of life. He wrote to the Corinthians and he said, you know, we are constantly being changed into the image of God from one degree of glory into another. And I pray today that you would help each one of us to take a step forward in the changing work you want to do in us. We surrender to your will and your way. In the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. And everyone said, amen. 